Welcome to Bitcoin ETC, your monthly pass to eToro's crypto spotlight, where we delve into the realm of prominent and well-rooted crypto trends that truly matter. I'm Anthony Pompliana, also known as Pomp, alongside Will Clemente, my partner at Reflexivity Research, and we're here to ensure you stay ahead of what truly counts. So buckle up and let's go. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation, or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instrument. This material has been prepared without taking taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All right, guys, bang, bang. You've got myself, Anthony Papiano, and Will Clemente here. Uh, this is a brand new podcast they're going to be doing monthly for all the users of eToro. We're super excited about this. It's going to let Will and I come on, talk about current events, and just share our personal opinions. Um, the first topic we're going to cover is the Bitcoin ETF. Uh, it has been almost a decade now since the very first ETF application was put in, uh, and we still don't have a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States. Obviously, we have an ETF all around the world. Uh, we do have a futures ETF here in the U.S. US, but not that spot ETF. And so, Will, maybe we could start with just when and if the ETF gets approved, what do you think the impact is going to end up being? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the ETF is something that's been very sought after throughout the kind of, you know, cryptocurrency market for a long time. Uh, if we go back over 10 years ago, we had the first major ETF filing from the Winklevosses, uh, which of course uh, did not get approved. Uh, the reason why ETF is kind of so sought after is Essentially, this is a product that allows people to get exposure to Bitcoin uh, in kind of a traditional wrapped vehicle that you can put in a traditional portfolio. Uh, so, you know, we think about kind of traditional uh, financial institutions, hedge funds, all these types of entities. A lot of them are familiar with, you know, traditional traded products on, you know, things like standardized exchanges. And so for them, you know, custodying Bitcoin on a cold storage wallet on a ledger or Trezor or whatever it may be, uh, to them, uh, you know, there's a ton of issues, you know, primarily from, you know, kind of a compliance standpoint, but also uh, they just feel uncomfortable with, with kind of holding the assets on, on their own wallet. Uh, and so an ETF unlocks a lot of that capital, both from a regulatory perspective, but also just from a kind of educational know-how and comfortability perspective of, of being, you know, comfortable holding crypto assets. What do you think right now is like the bigger reason why the ETF hasn't been approved yet? Is it just the U.S. kind of regulatory regime is against it? Uh, do you think that maybe Wall Street institutions are kind of lobbying against it and they were waiting to get in position? Like, wh why have we not had it yet? Yeah, there's a wide array of kind of, you know, speculative theories around this. Some a bit more kind of tinfoil hatty than others. Uh, you know, if we go back 10 years ago when the first ETF uh, was filed by the Winkle bosses, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, not a controversial to say that the, the market was very, very nascent and very early on back then. Uh, but, you know, when you have now some of these very large institutions like, you know, BlackRock and Fidelity, some of the largest financial institutions on the planet filing, uh, you know, now that kind of gives somewhat of a, a stamp of legitimacy on the asset class. And so then you do have to wonder, you know, why is the SEC not approving these things? Um, you know, some people say it's kind of political games. Uh, some people say that Jared Gensler's kind of uh, has a vendetta against crypto and is kind of on a revenge tour after, uh, you know, uh, meeting with FTX regularly and kind of, you know, that going right underneath his nose. Uh, so, you know, it's not clear exactly why, uh, but, you know, in general, it, it's been pretty clear in terms of a lot of the kind of, uh, you know, enforcement from from the SEC on a ton of different crypto companies that Gary Gensler and the SEC aren't very fond of crypto. 
Yeah. Well, what's fascinating to me is that uh, there's obviously demand, right? So if you look at Grayscale, you know, go back to uh, when they first launched, no one really paid attention. Uh, you then had ARK Invest, I think was the first institutional investor to invest into an ETF. Um, but really, I think when you accelerate into 2020, that's where the story got fascinating. And, you know, for those who either uh, don't understand how it works or, or weren't around then, um, in 2020, all of a sudden, the institutional career risk got removed. You had Paul Tudor Jones, Stanley Druckenmiller, and a number of other large investors who are well-respected come out and say, I own Bitcoin. I think inflation is coming, and Bitcoin is going to be the fastest horse in that inflation bucket of assets. Now, one of the only places that you could go and buy Bitcoin if you were a large institution was the Grayscale's GBTC. And so that Bitcoin trust was sucking up tons and tons and tons of demand. Some people wanted the underlying spot exposure to Bitcoin. Some were trying to get the premium because it was trading at a premium to NAV, and they were trying to just capture that uh, premium and then roll forward uh, over and over again. But GBTC doesn't have redemption functionality. And so what was really happening was there was tens of billions of dollars, ended up being, I think, 40 or $50 billion total in that fund was going in and it wasn't coming back out. And so at one point, GBTC, I think, held like three or three and a half percent of the circulating supply of Bitcoin. And it basically was just a, a, a forced long-term holder. They, it couldn't sell. And so as it was pulling that, it was like a black hole that was sucking up all this Bitcoin. And so I actually think that's one of the big drivers that took us from $10,000 Bitcoin kind of Q3 of 2020 into Q1 and Q2 of 2021, where Bitcoin then hit $60,000, $65,000. But now they want to convert it to an ETF. And so they kind of have to, right? Because you got the discount that is so deep on GBTC. But also, I think that uh, what they're realizing is like the big dogs are coming. And so you're going to have to get competitive on fees. You're going to have to get competitive on functionality. How do you see the conversion from GBTC to an actual ETF? Is that something that is likely, not likely? Where are we with that? Yeah, I think you made a great point in terms of GBTC being uh, the best way for investors you know, to kind of get exposure through a kind of traditional wrapper uh, over the last few years. Um, but, you know, obviously, again, as you mentioned, without there being any type of redemption mechanism, you get these kind of massive discounts to the underlying or what's called net asset value. Uh, and that went as low as, I believe, negative uh, 48% uh, from the actual underlying uh, and kind of the back half of, of 2022 around the FTX collapse. It's now come up to just under 20% discount. Uh, and so a lot of people are speculating that, you know, this is kind of a reflection of the market's opinion on the likelihood for them to be able to convert uh, and, and, you know, the, the SEC to grant them approval to convert into an ETF. If we go back a couple months, um, Grayscale's uh, ETF uh, conversion application was denied by the SEC uh, under the premise that uh, the market was uh, basically being manipulated and that the uh, kind of, you know, exchanges and clearinghouses that exist today aren't sufficiently regulated and, and don't have enough oversight for the SEC to feel comfortable approving an ETF. Um, Grayscale uh, went to court with the SEC and the argument was, well, you know, you guys approved the futures ETF. Uh, why aren't you approving the spot ETF? Um, and about two months ago, uh, or about a month and a half ago, um, the courts came out and then agreed with Grayscale uh, and ruled in their favor and said that uh, the SEC basically was kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth and that you can't approve the futures ETF, which is derived from the underlying spot price, but not uh, approve the spot ETF. Uh, and so, you know, we did see that win from Grayscale. Uh, there's basically a 45-day period after that took place. Uh, so we're well into that. We now have about 10 days left. Uh, and so in October, on October 13th, so about 10 days from when we're recording this today, uh, the uh, courts are going to have to basically go to, SEC, to the SEC and say, hey, you guys need to make a decision on what you want to do. And so there's a couple different things that the SEC could do. Uh, they could say, hey, uh, you know, we, we're going to uh, uh, 
deny this under kind of a different precedent, right? Outside of uh, the kind of you know, market manipulation mentions that they that they initially brought up, and the SEC you know, said were were invalid. Um, and there's there's a couple different things that they could do as well. Uh, or you know, the other one, of course, is uh, they they end up you know kind of granting approval uh, to GBTC. So uh, you know, we have a ton of uh, you know dates that that are kind of pushed back now until the beginning of of, of next year. Uh, there's a slew of kind of deadlines. Uh, right around the beginning of March of next year for Fidelity, BlackRock, all these guys. Uh, but in terms of, you know, kind of the next few months, uh, this this date that's coming up in about 10 days uh, around the GBTC conversion uh, and, and the SEC needing to make a decision on what they're going to do is arguably uh, the most important date to watch out for for any developments in the short term. Do you think that it's going to get approved before the end of 2023? Uh, I don't I don't think so. Um, look, I think I think Jerry Gensler kind of has a vendetta uh, against crypto at this point, I would be surprised uh, if they granted GBTC, uh, you know, the, the approval to convert. I think, you know, you've gone on television and, and said this, but, you know, I think what they should do uh, is basically line up all of them and say, hey, we'll approve all these guys at once, uh, basically uh, kind of let them run, right? Because what we see whenever, you know, an ETF uh, is approved, if we take GLD, for example, uh, GLD was for a while the, the largest single day, uh, did, the, did the largest amount of volume in, in, its, in its first trading day up until the uh, the BTC futures ETF that was approved in September of, of 2021. Um, but what we saw is basically after that was approved, there were other you know gold ETFs that were approved in the coming weeks or months, but they didn't capture any liquidity uh, or volume or you know AUM uh, relative to GLD. So what we see is basically you know you have this massive first movers advantage when it comes to these ETF approvals, and basically whoever gets approved first kind of sucks in all of the volume, liquidity, and AUM. Uh, and so I think what would be best from kind of just a free market perspective is you approve all of them at once, uh, basically, so, you know, who's got the best structure, you know, which, uh, you know, which which custodian or whatever maybe is, is, is uh, your filer is trusted the most by the free market, uh, you know, who has the lowest fees, et cetera, and kind of let the market make the decision. Uh, you know, my kind of gut feeling is that Gary is Gary and uh, Gary Getzler and the SEC uh, is probably more apt to do something like that or approve one of these, you know, more traditional uh, financial institutions as opposed to GBTC and kind of give them a win after uh, they beat them in court. But we'll see. <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it, it's a, a really interesting question of like when. Uh, I do think it will get approved. So, so you know, I, I think we agree there. Uh, the timing at the end of the year, you know, there's still 90 days left to uh, to, to a year end. So a lot can happen in 90 days. But also it feels like the SEC is going to wait as long as possible. And, you know, BlackRock, it, it's pretty interesting to see them kind of just sitting out there um, with an application. And I'm sure that they're probably used to getting approved pretty quickly. And so now that you've got kind of this whole line, whether it's BlackRock Fidelity, uh, all the way on down, um, you know, if they don't approve one, if they don't approve everyone at once, I think that they will face immense lawsuits, right? And people will say, "Hey, you're playing favorites." Whether they favor the crypto uh, kind of native organizations or they favor the legacy guys, uh, either side, if they are not included in that initial approval, I think will have a huge, huge um, kind of disagreement and, and likely file a lawsuit. And so, uh, to avoid that whole mess, just approving everyone all at once seems like the uh, the best way to do it. Um, yeah, I think um, you know BlackRock's got a history. I think they have. 576 or something to one approval to the denial uh, ratio. So, you know, they have a pretty good history of, of kind of getting their way. So, you know, I tend to think that uh, BlackRock likely knows something or, you know, whether they've been talking to the SEC or whatever it may be, uh, you know, there's a pretty high degree that, that BlackRock's probably going to get their way. That, um, that makes sense. Now, my last thing is uh, price. 
obviously it's impossible to know what the price is going to be, but should we just think about ETF gets approved, price goes up? Is it that simple or is there more nuance to it? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, from kind of a trader's perspective, the way to kind of think about it is it'll probably be kind of a short term, like, you know, uh, sell the news event. Um, but I do think over kind of the long term, you know, if we look at, you know, other ETF approvals, primarily looking at GLD and kind of price action following those, you know, granted, there were some kind of structural dynamics in, in the economy and in monetary policy uh, and inflation that kind of set up gold to, to go on a massive run around that period of time. Uh, but, you know, having an ETF to get exposure to, GL, to gold through GLD uh, definitely played somewhat of a factor in that. Uh, so I think you'll probably see something similar with BTC, where potentially maybe it's a you know, kind of short term uh, sell the news event. But as we mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, uh, you know, the ETF approval unlocks, you know, trillions of dollars of institutional capital to kind of come into the space that, frankly, uh, for, for kind of compliance and regulatory reasons, just weren't able to get access to the asset before uh, or they didn't feel comfortable getting to the access to the asset before. Uh, so when you look at that ETF approval paired with uh, kind of the state of, of global macro, as well as, uh, you know, the having that, that will take place sometime in April of next year. Uh, could be pretty powerful on kind of a you know 16 to, to 18 month kind of time horizon. I do believe that this is the demand shock. Obviously, the supply shock of the having coming uh, will have kind of a, a doubling effect. I used the term rocket fuel back in 2020, talking about printing money and the having. Uh, dare I say that there will be rocket fuel again? I don't know if it's you know thousand percent, hundreds of percent uh, up. But I do think that uh, having this degree of demand come into the market uh, through the ETF is a very serious thing. And just being anywhere close, I mean, if you're within six months of the halving, uh, I think that there is probably a uh, an effect that uh, is noticeable in hindsight. So, um, well, where can we send people to find you or learn more about reflexivity research? Yeah, sure. You can check out reflexivity at reflexivityresearch.com. Uh, you can check me out at W Clementi III on Awesome. I'm just at A Pompliano on Twitter, and we will see you guys next month for the next episode of the eToro podcast, talking about whatever the current events are. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.